You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us be better leaders. Our great coach on this episode is Mike Candrea. Mike is a softball coach who, after 36 years leading the University of Arizona, has retired as one of the most respected coaches of any sport in the USA. He's the all-time winningest coach in college softball history and ranked fourth of any coach in any NCAA sport with 1,674 wins. His teams have won eight Women's College World Series and 11 Pac-12 or Pac-10 regular season titles. In addition, he led Team USA to the 2004 Olympic gold medal and the 2008 silver medal. In 2017, he was inducted into the USA Softball Hall of Fame. Mike is a wise and generous person who openly shares the many lessons he has taken from the extreme highs and lows that he has experienced in his life. Some of the things he said which resonated with me were the importance of having good people around you as it takes a village for you to be successful fantastic story he shares about how his athletes start with a blank uniform and then must earn the A for Arizona as voted by their teammates before they can wear it. 
the traffic light system he uses to help focus his athletes and build their mental strength, and the importance of consistency and leadership for young people who are already on a roller coaster in life. This interview gave me a great shot of energy, and I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Here at the Great Coaches Podcast, we're working to create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our interview guests share with us. You can help support our project, get exclusive content, and early access to the Great Coaches collection we are creating by joining our Patreon community. All the details on how you can be a part of this journey are in the show notes. And now, please enjoy our interview with Mike Candrea. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Mike Candrea, hello, and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Thank you. Mike, honored to be here. Thank you very much for saying that. We're honored to have you. And Mike, could I start with something really simple to kick us off? Just where are you in the world and what have you been doing so far today? I retired two years ago from my job that I had for 47 years, coaching baseball and softball, and felt it was time to start doing some fun things in life. And so uh, right now I'm, I'm an advisor for our athletic director. So I'm still got my foot in the door, mentoring some other coaches in a department. So that's been a lot of fun being able to go out and watch practices, other teams, be able to sit down and give some feedback to the coaches. And it's been very enlightening because, you know, I kind of got into it right when we had the transfer portal come in, name, image, and likeness come in, and then the realignment of the conferences. So it's been a very busy time, you know, outside of the softball world, but it's been kind of fun, you know, to, to kind of sit back and, and look from 100 meters up to something that you've lived all your life. And so I've been able to do some traveling. I'm presently right now consulting with the Italian national team. So I've spent the last couple of summers in Italy um, working with with that program and just got back from a trip to New Zealand, which was uh, one of those things on my bucket list. My, My wife's sister lives there and so we got a chance to catch up with them and learn a little bit about fly fishing and rugby and cricket. So it's kind of broadening my horizons, you know, and it's been fun. Sounds like we've got you at just the right time to reflect on those 47 years and yeah. talk a little bit about leadership. Mike, when I was researching you, you've worked with some big names when it comes to just softball. And I'm sure you've met many other people on your your travels when you've gone to the Olympics and uh, all the national tournaments that, that you've been to along the way. But I wondered if you could just maybe tell us, what is it you think the great coaches that you've seen do differently that sets them apart? Well, I, I think the forefront, I always think that the business that we're in is is a people business. So I think the great coaches are really good at building relationships because I think that's the foundation for anyone that's going to help other people get better. And and I think they're good culture builders. Um, you know, they they know what they want. They they have a vision. They're able to spread that vision and and get a buy-in from a lot of people because of the way they go about their business every day. And so the great coaches that I've seen right now are just, they have a culture, a culture of excellence, a culture of accountability, and they're able to, to do that for an extended period of time. I think that's one thing I always look at with coaches is, are they a flash in a pan, you know, because they've got good talent one year? Are they able to sustain that level of excellence over many, many years? And I think in order to do that, you have to be good at building relationships that are built among 
mutual respect, honesty, especially dealing with the female athlete. That's everything. And then the culture, I think, is the, is a way a way of life that you expect your players to live by each and every day. And hopefully they they will buy into that and become the ones that keep people accountable for that high level of excellence that you're trying to pursue every day. Mike, there's something you do with your athletes when they enter your program that fascinates me. You take them through a process to envision the legacy they want to leave mm-hmm. before they even take the field. It's a, it's a great idea. Can you tell us the reason behind this? Over the years, I have found that the, one of the most important things for our program is our tradition. And I want tradition to be something that, that kids have reverence for, that they, they honor the people before them that, that did a lot for our sport with very little. You know, if you, you go back to the pioneer days, you know, we didn't have shoe contracts and equipment contracts and NIL and all the things that are happening today. They just played the game because they love to play the game. If they got a scholarship, great. If they didn't, they're going to pay their way to school and play a game that they love to play. And so I always wanted our kids to kind of know who the pioneers were and who paved the way, because I think it's important. You know, I always tell kids, what kind of legacy do you want to leave when you leave Arizona? You know, and that's a pretty tough question for a young kid at 18 years old. You know, the, oh, I want to be an All-American. I want to be this. I want to be that. But at the end of the day, it's it's about respecting. For me, it's respecting the A. What does the A represent when you wear it? When you put on that uniform, what does it represent? And for me, it's always about our, our pillars, making sure that we understand that we, we're going to be disciplined and we're going to be very prepared and we're going to be a good teammate and we're going to honor the game, you know, and all these things like that. And I, I got a point in time when I, did, I felt like kids were kind of losing that. They didn't really realize what that uniform meant. And so I had them earn their A. I started them all off with a blank uniform. And it was really a kind of a self-reflection on who they were, because a lot of times we get kids at 18 years old that have never been told anything other than they're the best thing since sliced bread. You know, they're, they've been put on a pedestal and I'm usually the first one to say, Hey, no, you've got some things to work on. You know, you're not a good teammate. Your, your discipline is, is lacking and your commitment is lacking. And so we do a process where we actually have kids identify those traits about their teammates. And it's, it's pretty powerful exercise because if, if the whole key is to earn the A, to be able to wear that uniform. And so if you don't get enough votes, basically it's a voting system. It's 95% of the votes have to be in your favor. And, and the other thing is that I have them judge each kid on our pillars. You know, where do they fall in competitiveness and discipline and attitude? preparation. A lot of times it's very powerful because the kid goes, well, wait a minute. What do you mean I'm not competitive? You know, well, maybe it's just the way you approach things each and every day. And that's what your, that's what your teammates see, you know? And so it's not me judging you. It's, it's your teammates. And those are the most important people in your world right now. In the other hand, it's when they earn their A, everyone in the room gets a chance to tell them why they've earned their A. And that's a very powerful exercise because kids love to hear good things. And especially when it comes from your peers, it means a heck of a lot more. And so the, to see the growth of maybe a kid that great player, but maybe had a little bit of rough edge with some other things, wasn't a good teammate to number one, realize that they have work to do. And number two, to, to make the improvements to get that A 
they start realizing what it really takes to be successful. Because for me, it's about it's about being successful in life. It's got nothing to do with the game, but these are traits that we all have to have to be successful in life. You know, you can't walk through life without discipline and without being committed and without being a good team member because we're always going to have to work with other people. And that was kind of how I started it. And it just kind of revolved into, into its own, you know, thing what, what each and every year that uh, kids look forward to that. They look forward to stripping the A and, and getting it back. And a lot of times we had kids that earned it within a week, which is really nice to see. But we also had kids that took four months to earn their A. And boy, that was a challenge because each week they were falling short and they were falling short and they were falling short. And the good part about it was they were getting feedback and feedback is so huge in the world that we live in. And so it, it really made an impact on a lot of kids and it actually changed them because when I was a young coach, I used to think I could change everyone. If they had the skill set to play the game of softball, I could make them a good teammate and and I could make them passionate about what they do each and every day and be present every day and all the things that we look for. But I realized as I got older that that wasn't the case. You know, some of these kids came to us with some baggage and a lot of that stemmed from the recruiting process when we were recruiting kids at seventh and eighth grade, not being able to go into the house and see actually where they came from and because I think in recruiting, you've got to recruit parents too. You know, it's one thing I found. If you looked at my pyramid when I first started coaching, skill set was the very foundation. And then I thought I could teach everything. When my last 10 years, character was the foundation. Because if they didn't have character, they were going to find a way to screw things up for your program somewhere along the line. And I think a lot of that was just not spending enough time to look at all the layers when you're recruiting kids, you know, recruiting a kid because they're a good player. but at the end of the day, they've got to be good people too, you know, because it's a family. And if, if we're going to go through those ups and downs together, we got to be able to trust one another. We got to have each other's back. And so character becomes huge, I think, in, in the foundation of, of building a culture and building a program. Mike, every article I read in preparation for today announces the fact that you've retired and then goes on to say he leaves the sport with 1,674 wins and is ranked fourth of any coach in NCAA sport history. And they talk about winning, 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 all-time winning as coach and so on and so on. But I wanted to flip that around actually and ask you what you've learned over this journey about the perils of focusing too much on winning. Yeah. Very good question and very powerful lesson for me because as a young coach, I thought my value was built around whether I won a national championship or not. And I realized that you can't live life that way. I mean, you got to be really lucky to win a championship. Um, you can do all the things right and not win a championship. But, you know, I thought the sun came up and went down depending on whether I won or not. I had to learn to kind of refocus my thought process on the process, on really what am I there to do? And for me, it was about coaching the person and then let the athlete come out versus coaching the athlete and not help the person. Because in softball, none of our kids are going to make a living playing softball. So it was important to me that I taught them how to be successful in life. So I always, in, in, in the forefront of my mind, was thinking about what can I do to make this kid a better person? And once I kind of changed my process from the wins and losses to the development of the young person, I became happier because I think you just you can't you can't live life thinking that you're only valued when you win. Is there um, a person or event that triggered this change in thinking? 
I've got a lot of life lessons that I've learned in, in my own life. I mean, when I first took the job at Arizona, I commuted 72 miles one way each day. Yeah. So that takes away, you know, that was an hour in the car, two hours a day. You're at work, you come home late, you go to bed, you get up, you do it again. And the one thing that I realized is that I, I was lacking the time to spend with my own kids. I spent more time with other people's kids than my own. And that kind of woke me up a little bit because it made me really think, how long can I really do this? And I was very passionate about the sport and passionate about my job. I love what I did. I never thought I worked a day in my life because I was doing what I love to do. But on the other hand, there were some other things in life that I was kind of forgetting about. And I think that's kind of part of that process. When you, when you focus so much on winning, you lose track of the people that are really important to you in life and, and other things in life. And as I got older, I got better at, at finding some balance in my life because I, I, I went through some challenges. You know, I'd come home and I'd bitch and moan about the kids and say, God, these kids don't care anymore. They don't want to work at it. My wife would look at me and go, Mike, no one really cares what happened to you today. I go, wait a minute. You're my wife. You got to care. She goes, no, just walk around the neighborhood and knock on everyone's door and ask if they really care about Mike Candrea. They don't. So a lot of it was that self-inflicted pressure. And you take a look at yourself and go, you know, you're you're probably right. No one really remembers what who won the championship five years ago. So quit putting all that pressure on yourself. And you need to enjoy the process. You need to enjoy each and every day. Because I lost a player at 21 years old to diabetes. Played in the championship game in May, was gone in June. And that woke me up a little bit to say, you know what? Practice is more than just this game. It's, it's about these relationships that we're going to have for a lifetime. Because that's what I love about softball. You think you coach kids for four years and they leave you? They never leave you. You know, you're a part of their life forever. And that is a very unique experience because I coach baseball too. And guys kind of come and go. They really, they're not quite as, they don't want coach. I mean, they may want coach at their wedding, but these women want you there. You know, it's very important to them that you're a part of their life. And so that kind of changed my whole process about really, what am I here for? Am I here to, to win championships or am I here to develop people? And I think once I understood that, I think I look back now and I, I can look myself in the mirror and say, you know, I, I like what I see. I, I like what I left. Too many times people spend their entire life trying to win a championship and, and they're miserable. The other thing I realized is that I would blow through the victories and when I got beat, it would take chunks out of my body. I would agonize on the defeats. And that is unhealthy, you know. And you're, you're thinking about what you're telling your kids. You know, we play a game of failure. You need to learn how to fail forward. Well, as a coach, I wasn't doing that. You know, I was preaching something that I wasn't living. And so it, it made me kind of step back and realize, you know, what, what is my true purpose in coaching? And it's about coaching people, you know. And if you coach the person, then the athlete will come out. But if, if you're only worried about the athlete, then it's very short-lived, you know, and then you're setting yourself up for, you know, a lot of failure, and a lot of misery because it's hard to win consistently. And I, you know, at the end of my career, when people tell me that, it's like, you know, I, I it wasn't something I was keeping track of and something I really cared about. It was just, I was doing something I love to do. And I got passionate about helping young people become better people, you know and better athletes. And so that became the process and the wins kind of took care of themselves. Mike, the other interesting thing I found when I was researching and preparing for today was the traffic light system that you <laughs> use to strengthen yeah. people's mental skills. It sounds fantastic in its simplicity. And I'm wondering if you could 
share with everybody what that system is. Well, you know, that really came from a, a gentleman named Jeff Jansen, who Jeff worked with our program for many years, does a tremendous job with leadership training and a very, very valuable person to my career. But he was the one that kind of talked about the the, the light system. And we play a game of failure. And so every game, you're going to go into that yellow. And And so number one is making kids aware that they're getting into the yellow. And then they have a choice of whether they're going to go into the green or they're going to go into the red. And if you go into red, you're in trouble, right? We all understand that. So the whole key to this thing was giving them tools to not to try to get into the green instead of getting into the red. Very simple approach, but in our game, that's so important because the best hitters get a hit three out of 10 times. 70% of the time, they're going to fail. So if everything we do is talking about failure, talking about having emotional stability, not allowing yourself to get too high or get too low. And I think one of the things that happens is it's, you know, failure is going to happen. It's going to happen a lot during a game. And it's just a matter of, are you prepared for failure? And do you have something to fall back on when it happens? You know, do you have a tool to, and sometimes it's as simple as breathing. You know, it's stepping out of the box, taking a deep breath, heart rate goes down and away you go. Because if you can't control those, can't control your breathing, you're going to die, number one. But number two, it's hard to play a game of Softball is a game of relaxed skills. The more relaxed you are, the quicker you can react, the quicker you can respond, the more productive you are because of your mindset. The lights were just kind of a reminder. You know, you're going to get in the yellow and it's going to probably happen every day. Are you, do you have the tools to get back into the green where you're kind of on automatic pilot? You're not thinking about what you're doing. It's just happening. When you get into red, you're thinking about everything and you can't play this game thinking, you know, it's, you got to do it. And you got to let it flow. And so that was just a little reminder for them to to, to be prepared because you're going to come to a traffic light and you're going to have to either go or you're going to have to stop, <laughs> you know, because you have to make a decision. You know, I always tell the kids there's a lot of flat squirrels on the road because they can't make a decision, right? And so same thing in our game. We have to be able to have the tools to put ourselves in the right mindset. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mike, I, it's not just softball players that need to be relaxed to perform at their best. I can think about multiple times when people walk into a boardroom or yeah. a community hall and they're stressed or their heart rate's elevated. And, and I think there's a, a great analogy with the way you talk about focus and how what the athlete chooses to focus on before and after the at-bat determines their success. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, do you have any routines that you use with your athletes to help them focus just that little bit better? Well, you know, I have a I have a saying, be where your feet are. And basically, that's all about focus. It's all about being present. And that was a lesson for me to learn. And again, it was my wife. I'm sitting there eating dinner one night with her, and she's talking and telling me about her day. And my mind is still in the sixth inning of the game, and I'm not hearing a damn thing she's saying. And she says, you know, you got to do a better job of being focused. And and I I took that to heart saying, you know what? You're right. When I'm at work, I need to be at work. But when I'm at home, I need to be at home, you know? And so trying to get athletes to understand that you have control over that focus, you have control over being where your feet are. And I think that's helps them, you know, kind of plan for that success or that lack of success or whatever they need to do. And so, yeah, we have routines and I think every kid has a routine, but you know, I think that the biggest thing with our game is, it's not a game that you can sit there and grind, you know, for seven innings because there's times that you can relax and let your mind wander. And then there's times that you have to focus. And so I always use the funnel theory with with our kids saying that when you're sitting in the dugout, number one, how do you watch the game? What are you learning before that at bat? You know, and then as you walk and put your batting gloves on and put your helmet on, that focus needs to start getting narrower to where you get in the on-deck circle. It's about timing. You walk up to the batter's box, it's see ball, hit ball. So you've kind of taken everything from a really broad focus to a very narrow focus. And a lot of times in our game, defensively, I always t- tell them about a hula hoop. You know, you're, you, you get out of the hula hoop, you can let your mind wander, relax, breathe, whatever it may be. But when the pitcher gets on the, on the rubber and they start committing that next pitch, you're in the hula hoop. Now your focus has to get back into the contact point. And so getting people to be able to do that, you know, time and time again is a little bit of an art. And I think it's just something that you have to practice every day, too. You know, it's, it's like failure. How often do we practice failure in a practice situation? And how often do we practice our recovery plan when something happens? You know, miss a ground ball. I always when I'm watching kids, I love to see how they react. I don't really care what happens, but I want to see how they react to what happens. And and so I think you become better once you're aware a process that you need to go through all the time. Even in my life today, I try to be where my feet are. You know, I I, I try to have the focus that I need to. And leadership's all, all about being a good listener. You know, it's about building relationships. It's about being a good listener. You know, and you can't you can't do any of that stuff unless you are focused, unless you are present. And to me, I think that was a lesson that I had to learn because again, you go back to that. What are you in the game for? And if it's all about wins, 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 and, you know, you kind of lose focus on everything else. And that's that's kind of where I was at. And and um, I took it to heart. You know, I said, I got to be better at this. And so I always tell our kids, you control the controllable. When you can control the controllable, then you've got a chance of being successful. And that is your attitude, your effort, and your focus. Those are three things we can all control, you know. But the focus part is really hard for young kids to come into practice every day and kind of check in and say, all right, the most important thing right now is what I'm doing. It's taking ground balls. It's hitting this next pitch. And in life, you know, we, we're we all multitasker. And sometimes we we try to do so much stuff that we don't get the important stuff done. And I, I always talk to them about, you know, you've got a, a jar and you've got a bunch of little pebbles and you've got some boulders. 
you know, and if you're worried about the little pebbles, you fill the jar up, you don't have room for the things that are important. And that's the big boulders. But if you, if you take care of the big things first, then you can always fill in the little things, you know, and, and I, I think that's kind of how young kids, they, they don't quite understand that because they're being pulled in 18 different ways. And so trying to get them to be present, I think is a challenge, but it's also, it's, it's quite an accomplishment when it happens. When, when you know that this kid is, you know, you always had the gamer, the kid that's always ready. And a lot of that is just nothing more than that kid is present, man. They, they enjoy what they're doing and it's, it's not a challenge for them to concentrate and the focus and to, to be where their feet are. Mike, I've gone back over the last 10 years reading articles and through all of them, you are consistent in your belief that one of the biggest roles of a coach is as a confidence builder. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering how you go about helping someone when they're going through a period of low confidence. Well, first of all, confidence is a very vague term. We don't have any dust that we can sprinkle over someone and say you're going to be confident. So to me, confidence is earned in confidence, the, the, the better I can make a kid in their skill set, in their mental preparation, the better they feel about themselves, the more confident they become. You know, so it the, the confidence is a result of, I think, a lot of hard work doing the other things. I mean, if I'm good at golf, I can't wait to go play golf. And I love playing golf because I'm good at it, right? If I'm not good at it, I'm not going to look forward to going play. And I think that's what you see a lot in life is p- people tend to do what they're good at. And when they're good at something, you never talk about confidence because they haven't, you know, but we have young kids that, that have been put on this pedestal. And then now all of a sudden now reality sets in and they go, Oh my God, I, I'm not as good as I, I was. I mean, I've had kids that ended up being all Americans come in my office and cry because they didn't think they could play the game anymore, you know, and it was just a matter of, you know, they're, they're, we've kind of taken them outside their comfort zone. You know, they, they, they haven't learned how to be comfortable feeling uncomfortable. And I think all of those things kind of help develop confidence. I look at a freshman in our program, not many freshmen walk in confident because there's, they don't know what's at the end of the tunnel. You know, and if you ever think about it and you walk, you know, walk through a, a, a dark tunnel, I mean, you're on edge a little bit until you get out of it because you don't know what's at the end. But once you've been there a thousand times, you're not going to worry about it. And so I think a lot of it is just is, is preparation. It's about improving their skill set. For me in our game, if, if I can make them a better hitter, they're going to be a more confident hitter. If they struggle off, offensively, they're not going to be as confident. But I haven't found any dust that I can sp- sprinkle on them and say, all right, you're confident. Let's go. You know, it's something that's earned. And it's, it's part of the process. The process develops confidence in young kids. Mike, I, I hesitate. A little to ask this next question, but I'm, I'm going to ask it anyway because you've been very open and forthcoming with your lessons. But mm-hmm. you have experienced some heart-wrenching loss in your life. You talked about losing a player. Mm-hmm. I understand you've also lost a child and a wife. Mm-hmm. When it comes to helping others mend a broken heart, and I know this is not a leadership or a coaching question, right? but when it does come to helping others mend a broken heart, what do you tell them? Well, for me, it's a big part is my faith. It's something that that's important to me and something that I think in today's world, many people kind of get away from that. And because you're, when things happen in life, the one thing that I realize is that 
I did not have good balance in my life when I was coaching and trying to win championships. I was forgetting about my own kids and my, I mean, I wasn't spending time with the people that I love. When you lose someone that's perfectly healthy one moment and gone the next, a lot of things go through your mind. Number one is every day is important. I live every day like it's my last because I've seen it happen. But the second thing is, is I, I realized that for me to get through those, those tough times, I, and for me to be happy, I have to have balance. My family is the center of my life and it should always be. And for everyone, it should be. My profession is something that I love doing, but it, it's, it doesn't define me. You know, what defines me is, is my faith. I think if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have got through it, you know, because you, when you lose people you love, it, there's always a question, why? Why me? And uh, many a times when people are don't have a strong faith, they're, they're going to constantly ask those questions. But I have the answers. I know that they're in a better place. And I, I know that I could move forward in my life because of that. So, yeah, it, it is a challenge. And it's, it's, I mean, everything that we're talking about is all intertwined. I mean, me as a young coach and me as a coach today is the probably completely different because I, I I wasn't even worried about that. I never even thought that that was going to happen to me. Hell, when my when my dad turned 40, I thought he was an old man, you know, and now I'm 67 years old going, my dad was pretty young. So life has a way of teaching us lessons. And I just think that we need to to realize how special every day is and, and how special our relationships with the people that we love are. And the good thing about it was I... There wasn't a day I didn't go by that. I didn't tell them I loved them. But you look around the world today and, and there's so many dysfunctional families that, that hold grudges for years and years and years. And you're going, why? I guess once you go through these things, you realize that, you know, we're here for a short time. I'll give you a good quick story and, and this will kind of sum things up for me. But I was sitting at my desk one day and I pulled out this tape measure that I had in my drawer and I was sitting there playing with it. And for some reason, my dad came to mind and I'm thinking from a tape measure, why am I thinking about my dad? And it was interesting because I pulled out the, I pulled out 77 inches and that was when my dad died at 77. And I, I took away this at the time, 65 that I was. And I said, that's what I've got left, you know? And I think it's just a matter of taking the right snapshot about life. There's more to life than winning. There's more to life than coaching. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many things that are important in life. Um, but you have to have, you have to have happiness in who you are and being able to look in the mirror and say, I like what I see. And part of that is, is that balance in my faith? You know, I don't preach it, never have. I just live my life that way. There's, I mean, Sundays at mass are a pretty important time for me to reflect, to, to give thanks for the good Lord taking care of the ones that we've lost. And, and, you know, I always walk out of there feeling so much better. Can't explain it. But don't, it's just me. It's just the way I've been brought up, you know, and I think everyone's going to lose. I mean, I'm, I've lost my parents and lost a child, lost a player, lost a wife, man, you wonder what else could happen. And, and sometimes you get to a point in life where you're, you're a little bit numb to it. And I just lost a good friend of mine, George Young. And George was a four-time Olympian, won a bronze medal in Mexico City in, in the steeplechase. But he was the one that got me into softball. He's the one that talked me into going into softball. And he just passed away, you know. And it, 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 I started looking back at right now I'm at that age where all my friends, I mean, I'm losing people right and left. And it's, 
you know, you got to grasp onto things that are important to you. We're only here for a short time, so we, we better enjoy it. We better find the tools that allow us to enjoy the people that we love each and every day and spend more time with them. And that's really what retirement was all about is being able to do that, you know, because the one thing about coaching as a profession is you, you just spend a lot more time with other people's kids and other people than you do with your own. And it's a challenging question because it's, I think it's hard to have balance when you're pursuing excellence. I haven't figured that one out yet, but I do know that if, if I didn't spend the time that I did in my profession, I wouldn't have been as successful. Right. And so that's the million dollar question. How do you do it? You know, I think you can. I think in today's world, there's a lot of women that are in coaching now and, and they can have kids and they can have a family and they can do both, but it takes special people around them. And, and that's the one thing I've always tried to do is to take care of my village. One thing I realized in life is that it, it takes a village for you to be successful. And I, too many times, young people that are not people oriented, don't understand that and they don't take care of the people around them that help them reach success. And that's one of the things I deal with with young coaches every day is, do you know who cleans your office every day? Do you ever thank the equipment person? Do you ever thank the guy that's mowing your grass every day, working on your field every day? I made them a part of my team. And that was kind of part of my success, I think, is the way I treated people. I think sometimes that's a simple thing to do. But if you're if you walk around with blinders on in life, you don't think that that's important. And so all of this, these pieces to the puzzle have definitely um, allowed me to grow up a little bit and realize, you know, how, how special life really is. And so I'm enjoying life and I, I live it every day. But I also thank the good Lord every day um, for the blessings that that he's given me. And, and without that, I who knows who Mike Andrea would be, you know, and I I feel good about being able to move forward in life because of that. Long-winded answer, but I hope that answers your question. More than answers my question. Thank you, Michael. It's a, it's a tremendous yeah. answer. A lifetime's worth of learning. But I am going to ask one final question. Yeah. And you start, we started off actually talking about legacy and the fact that you get your, your team to close their eyes and envisage their legacy. And you also said you like what you see when you look in the mirror. And I, I think if, if I'd asked the Mike Andrea every 10 years through his career this question, I think I might have got a different answer each time. But the Mike Andrea, who's, who's now 67 and has been coaching mm-hmm. since 1976, when that Mike Andrea thinks about the legacy he hopes he's left with the many, many people that have been connected with the team, not just the athletes, what do you hope is the legacy that you've left with those people? Well, foremost, I, I I would hope that they would say that I'm just, I'm a good person. I care about people. I've treated people the right way because at the end of the day, that was probably the most important thing for me. You know, I, I'm a people person and, and I love putting smiles on people's faces. So I, I kind of go back to my, you know, people say, what's your philosophy? And I go, well, the, you know, there's three things that are important to me. First is that I, I wanted to be competent at what I did. So I was always a student of the game. And, and I think that was one of the, one of my assets is I, I grew up amongst a lot of really good baseball coaches and I, I was a good player, but not a great player. So I had to work hard at the game. And so I was always, my ears are always open. And so I would always listen to people talk about the game. So I think that's been an advantage for me is, is, is being a student of the game every day. I wanted to be consistent because I think that young kids need consistency in leadership. You know, I, I would never hire someone in my program that didn't have stability in their own life 
because it's hard for them to bring it to young people. And I think the one thing young people don't need is a roller coaster ride because they're on one anyway. So stability to me is, is a huge part. And I hope that, that when people look back, they, they can say that I was, that, that I provided a stable, safe environment every day in my culture. And the third thing is that I cared about them as people. I always told our kids, you could go over 30 and you know what? Who cares? It's, it's, this game's not going to ever be life threatening. I can walk you across the street to the cancer center and walk you through a ward of little kids that can't do what you're doing. So don't make the game life threatening. I think that's been a huge part is being able to help grow people and then have fun. You know, I think at the end of the day, as a young coach, I probably didn't have a lot of fun. Fun wasn't a priority for me, you know, because I, I think there's, it's kind of funny when you look at the progress of, 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 of the students that we deal with today. When I grew up, I was very task oriented. Someone would say, here, here's a task. And I would get after it. And I, and I wanted to make them proud that I did it right. And I did it good. Right. Today, kids are pleasers. They want to please you, but they're also very pleasure oriented. And I think that's one of the things that I had to learn is that, you know what, it, it can't be always pedal to the metal, you know, you've got to make things fun. And, and I think in today's world, that's so important. You know, if when I was young and I got someone gave me $5,000, I'd put it in the bank and I would save it, right? Today's generation, you give them a gift of $5,000, they're going to go on a trip. <laughs> they're going to go to Hawaii. They're going to go somewhere. They're going to have fun with it, right? And so I think that's one of the, the, the things that we've had to deal with, you know, is that athletes are different. You know, are they, were they tougher back in the early days? I don't think they were any t- tougher. They were just different. They had a different environment. They had today's kids has a lot more baggage that they have to deal with. You know, you think about half of my career, I never had to deal with a, a cell phone or social media or any of these things. And today, for a kid to be able to balance all that, it's pre- it's pretty challenging, and and mental health is is an issue. I mean, it is it's a real thing, and it's not just because of COVID. I think it's just because of of young kids being able to deal with society today, you know, and and all the choices that they have to make and and navigate through. And you know, I've got three grandkids right now, and I I'm, I'm trying to think, man, what's this world going to look like? When they get to my age, you know, I mean, you, you look at our politics in the United States, it's ugly, you know, it's, I, it's just, it's not right, you know, so yeah, my, my, le- I just want people to, to know that not, I was very passionate, but I, I really cared about people, you know, and I, I would hope that people would look back and say, you know what, he's a good guy, you know, I mean, he was really a, a professional, a good person. Hey, won a few games, but that, that was the result of all this other stuff. Mike. It's been a masterclass tonight. You've given me a great shot of energy that I need to get through the rest of thank the week. You. Yeah, I well, appreciate you making yeah. the time. And thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Keep me on your uh, list uh, when you're doing these podcasts. I'd like to listen to some of them. But I think it's, a, it's, 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 it's always great to talk and, and to reflect. And, you know, I just, like I said, I've, God, I, I've been blessed to, to do what I do. And, and I, I always tell people I've never worked a day in my life, and I really mean it. It's been to be able to follow your passion in life is so special. But on the other hand, I think we need to all stop and, and give thanks to the to the people that you don't do it by yourself. That's one thing that I hope. I hope that guy that works on my field knows how much I appreciate them. And I know he does. 
because he was a big part of my team. It's the little things that make a big difference, you know. So, but thanks for having me. Thank you, Mike. You've been listening to the great coach, Mike Candrea. I hope you enjoyed Mike's reflections on his leadership and life and found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room or boardroom table for discussion. When I listened back, the other key highlights for me were how he likes to see athletes react to failure and implement their recovery plan when he is watching them perform. How he focuses on, in his words, coaching the person and then letting the athlete come out versus coaching the athlete and not helping the person. How his focus changed from skills to character building over the journey of his career and wanting to leave a legacy where people recognize that he provided a stable, safe environment every day in the culture he led. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Rebecca Gardner, who said, Love the interview with Trisha Cullop. Her ideas on mentorship really struck a chord with me. Thanks, Rebecca. The interaction with people from around the world who listen give us great energy. And so if you have any feedback or comments, please let us know. And also, if you're interested in helping us create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our great coaches share with us, then you can sponsor us through Patreon. All the details on how you can do this or just connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.